Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Trek Chats, a podcast brought to you by Trek on the Tube. I am your host, Sean, and today I bring you a very exciting episode. We're doing one of these extravaganzas. The last time I did this was for Nemesis. We're giving like these least, uh, these least enjoyed Star Trek movies a chance to shine here. So the objective is to be nice, be kind. If we have criticism, fine, but you know, we're going to try and talk about what we enjoyed with these films. So welcome to the Star Trek V uh, the Final Frontier Extravaganza. My two wonderful guests and wonderful friends joining me today are Braxton. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Hey, Braxton. And Starfleet Boy, thank you and welcome back, sir. Welcome back. It's been a couple episodes, I think, since I've been on, so it's nice <laughs> to be back. <laughs> this is exciting. I think we need to start off by saying that uh, Braxton had not seen... Star Trek V before before this. So he watched it in preparation for the recording of this episode. I love it. And that is so cool. And I want to know what you thought of it. Please share your thoughts. So, you know, dude, I didn't think the Nemesis was that bad, dude. I thought the Nemesis was like a pretty uh, solid uh, entry, dude. I yeah, like that. Yeah, me too. I mm-hmm. like Nemesis too. So, you know, I had seen that this uh, one had uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, that, was, that it was certified rotten. Um, about 20 minutes <laughs> oh, no. in... About 20 minutes in, I was like, you know, what did these dudes convince me to watch? <laughs> and then I kind of got into its, uh, into its weirdness, you know. And uh, while not being good, I think that it was uh, enjoyable. You know, um, it started off like crazy. You know, uh, Captain Kirk, like he's like uh, free climbing a, a rock face dude. And like, and you know, and I could see that the actor uh, who was doing the physical climbing was like younger and clever. And then they got to him, and it's like, you know, <laughs> that dude looks like he's in his sixties, and he's not in peak physical condition. It is not believable that he would be scaling this uh, wall, uh, this uh, um, rock face. Uh, I thought it was very cool that um, Spock had uh, had rocket boots. Like that was uh, that was really awesome. You know, um, it was very touching to me uh, at the campfire when Kirk was like, oh, you know, like, like, uh, doctor, you shouldn't be worried about me because, like, I always knew that I would die alone. And I knew I wouldn't die because you guys were with me. You know, and I thought that was that. And I thought that's one of my favorite things about the movie, actually. Mm -hmm. I thought that was uh, that was very powerful. But yeah, dude, like this movie was uh, this movie was so uh, weird, kind of. You know, I did. I thought that these were horrible Klingons, but I like seeing Klingons whenever there are Klingons, so I'll take them. You know, um, the uh, three boobed uh, alien uh, <laughs> kitty. Wow, that was seriously, seriously uh, wicked. Yeah, um, Kirk just throws her across mm-hmm, the. Ring. Mm-hmm. It was super weird for me that uh, Uhura and uh, Scotty were in a uh, a relationship. I was like, oh, like, is that like a new thing that I missed that somewhere? You know, everyone missed it. But I was like, yeah, that was like a thing. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I uh, thought throughout the movie that, oh, you know, like, you know, these people are in their 60s and 70s. Who would put them on an adventure uh, mission like? Yuhora was out there like dancing like a sexy 
siren and she was like naked dancing behind uh leaves or feathers or something feathers, yeah or so, yeah Ooh. something like feathers or uh-huh. oh, now, now you now you get the lower decks reference right the yeah. joke from lower decks when, 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 when rutherford does it mm-hmm. and then uh at the end so i started watching it about uh about eight o'clock so probably about like nine thirty five nine forty I saw the blinding light of the alien, and I couldn't, and I couldn't watch it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, this is unwatchable!" And when it God made appears. Me... You mean like <laughs> it's like that blue light, right? Like it's just so intense. You know, it just and, and like, and I don't know. The movie wasn't that good, and I was like, "Oh my god, unwatchable!" And it just seemed like it was just like a theme of the movie, just like unwatchable. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so but I, uh, I this wasn't a good movie, but I did enjoy it. I, yeah, I think that's a general consensus within Star Trek fans. It has a certain charm to it that I think uh, works well for Trekkies. I don't think this is like not a movie that works for people that are like not invested in Star Trek. I think. Also, I kept thinking, I was like, oh, like were these groundbreaking effects for the late eighties? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't actually there's a lot of stories i think that we have to tell uh but i think in in particular they were on a budget for that too and so they didn't go with ilm like they normally did they went with another company or in-house or something like that and so yeah you could tell the effects are not the same they're not the same quality as like star trek 4 or star trek 6 like you we would have tell. to confirm but from what i understand um so this was william shatner directing this and from what I understand, I think he went a bit over budget or a bit like overboard in the beginning of the film or like in the first kind of like sequences that, that he that he did. And so there came a point where they started kind of running out of like money. And so that he makes a joke about throwing rocks at a screen um, to do like the visual effects that, you know, at some point there's just like rocks coming up in front of like a black background. And so I think I think that this is like they've run out of money basically, or or at least the money was mismanaged in in some capacity. So that's where the visual effects are kind of the score, like the music. I feel like carries this movie a lot a lot of the time. I think the music mm. is fantastic, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of actually talking about Nemesis. There's a lot of uh, like musical themes. I think that kind of like uh, inspired what Nemesis was. There's a lot of times where I'm hearing kind of like Nemesis. Um, adjacent kind of themes. I think. The a busy man theme from Star Trek Five appears in like numerous Star Trek uh, soundtracks, and, and it's that dun 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 that that has appeared many times uh, in Star Trek. So yeah, afterwards is also a very good uh, mini uh villain even though he's not really a villain uh at uh, at all you know he's very sympathetic you know um i sense your pain share it with me that was the main reason we wanted you to watch it though braxton right was because because you saw the episode of strange new worlds uh with uh cybok at the end and so i wanted i wanted to make sure you knew who cybok would become uh later on so that's why i was suggesting that you watch it but what do you think now of the I'm, cyborg I'm, character, I'm, gonna, like, I'm have... gonna just go on a small little parenthesis here and say spoilers for Strange New Worlds, people. But don't worry, oh, about yeah. it. like the, the, this show spoils everything that has come up. But yes, there is cyborg in Strange New Worlds. It is a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler because at this moment, like we haven't even seen the face of of the actor that they chose, or we don't. Like, I'm pretty convinced they just took Ethan Pick 
um, from behind, but I don't know if they actually cost someone. The one Cyborg. Well, I I agree that Cyborg wasn't cast when they made Serene Squall. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Cyborg is cast. But you think it's just Ethan Peck? <laughs> like you think that's just like Ethan Peck's back? Well, for the if 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 you were to just have him in that like one scene that one time, I think you'd just take like just put Ethan yeah, Peck and then just you don't need to hire someone else. You know what I mean? But anyway, I mean, so many many <laughs> miniature miniature spoilers for Strange New Worlds. We have like a Cyborg. It's it's almost more of a reference than it is an actual appearance at this point. Like where I'm at in the show. So um. But yeah, yeah, Braxton, you were asking, what were you asking him? Oh no, I was just saying that, uh, Braxton, what do you think? What were your what were your impressions of Cybok before Star Trek Five, and now what do you think of Cybok now that you've seen Star Trek Five? That's my question. So, mm-hmm, so uh, before Strange New Worlds uh, two weeks ago, I had only uh, really heard of Cybok in uh, in passing, like on Twitter. Um, I had seen the art. Uh, of the actor who played him in the movie, but I had never watched the uh, never watched the movie. Um, so the only thing that the only connection I made from Strange New Worlds is like some messy hair. Um, but uh, to, you know, so Cyborg was well acted by the actor who was cast uh, in his role. He was really uh, sympathetic, you know, and I really I really loved how he said, "Oh, like I sense your pain. Like share it with me." Like I felt like that was so beautiful like when he uh met that uh man who was like water harvesting at the beginning of the uh, of the movie yes and he was like oh like, planet. like i sense your pain like share it with me like you know what like i almost have tears in my eyes from like the way that that man like dropped to his knees dude. he was so he was so <laughs> thankful like he i mean it, it reminded me <clears throat> of um of like uh, of like Pat Swagger and like Jim Baker, you know, like these like evangelists, oh, these charismatic, you know? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, very and how they like lay hands on people and like you know the people are so Sabak relieved people's burdens. He took like their burdens and their problems away from them, and that's why they were loyal to him. It was so it was so beautiful. He's such a powerful telepath. Mm. So. Are you excited now to meet him on Strange New Worlds and see what he was like in the past? Oh my gosh, yes, dude. He's yeah. going to be good. It's going to be good. In Star Trek V, he says to Spock, you have a second chance to join me. So that means Ooh. there's a first oh. chance. Oh my gosh. That's what he says. Remember in that scene, he says, Sp- I do. Yes. So, so that means we might see the first chance well, it's, yeah. actually, it's actually good if they actually uh, go with like a lot of st- cyborg storytelling over the seasons of Strange New Worlds as it comes out, which is, I think, one of the things that I want the most from Strange, <laughs> Strange New Worlds. I think a lot of people want that too. Um, I know that Jesse Jens is always fighting for cyborg as well, I think. Um, if they actually decide to do that, it's going to give this movie so much more like emotional baggage when you come back to watch it. That's the thing. I think it's going to enhance the movie for a lot of people. Uh, the more we get of Cybok, the more people are going to be curious and go watch Star Trek V. So I think that's going to be a good thing. There's cool well, people, but yeah. For me, Star Trek V, is, if you were to rank it in the entire list of Star Trek films, falls like right in the middle. Like right in the middle, slightly below. 
So like you saw this actually, Toddy, and you commented on this uh, because my rank is number one, the motion picture, number two, Star Trek six, number three, Star Trek three, number four, Star Trek two, number five, Star Trek four, then Generations, then First Contact, then Star Trek five, then Nemesis, Insurrection, 2009, Beyond, and Into Darkness. That's my ranking of all the, the movies, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got like Clutch, he's, she's he's clutching got, of pearls. He's got a he's got a generational disrespect. You might notice that, right? <laughs> what do you like, mean? He's he's mm -hmm. putting all the he's putting the Calvin timeline like way at the bottom. He's putting <laughs> even TNG, he loves it to death, but he's just disrespecting it. He's putting it under the under the original series. <laughs> I remember commenting that it was the only original series film that wasn't with the others. You had put right. it underneath the next generation. Yes. I think that's what I yeah. Could, I had to be fair. It's it's not as good as first. Oh, Braxton like offended. He's offended. Look at him. <laughs> Braxton's Braxton. offended over Beyond, right? But I'll I'll tell you, I love this movie from the start because to me, one of the things that Star Trek, especially the original series, is it's about not a bit is, of film than Beyond. You're is, you're you're wrong about that. Carry on. Continue. It's about friendship. And I think yeah. it's fun that we have the three of us here right now. I mean, father included, but we've we're kind of like the right now we kind of represent Bones, Kirk, and uh, and Spock in a way. So I like that it's a trio <laughs> for this uh, for this podcast. Uh, uh, Braxton, don't hug me in front of the Klingons, okay? <laughs> I don't I don't want to be Bones, dude. Bones is so unlikable in this. You movie. would be the Kirk in this group. I think that. Uh... <laughs> I think I would be Bones and we could make Toddy Spock. How am I Spock? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You can be Kirk, Todd, uh, and then Braxton can be Spock no, and I'll be no, McCoy. Let's just I'll all be, be Cyborg. For this let's episode. all be Cyborg. <laughs> Wait, you really thought Bones was uh, awful in this movie? That's funny. Like, Oh, yeah. he. Um, so, you know, like, they, well, he's a doctor, so he was, like, you know, worrying about Kirk being on the, uh, the mountain phase. But, you know, I feel like... Um, you know, one of the big things that he does early is that he, um, you know, says something racist to, to Spock about, oh, you green-blooded Vulcan, That's you know. True. And uh, then he was uh, talking about, like, his, like, old food that his father, you know, had taught him uh, how to make. And I was thinking about how much I hate, like, old Southern racist things. I just said, don't value them. And I don't know, like he he just seemed like such a relic and like such a dinosaur. Oh wow! And um, and I really did not uh, enjoy uh, that. And then also he looked so like old and skinny. I'm like, dude, you should not be on a mission. You need <laughs> to be like somewhere home, hanging out in an apartment. You know, maybe going for walks, but you don't need to be out there like on a mission, dude. Like you're <laughs> too old and you're too frail. Well, that guy didn't play in Star Scotty Trek Scotty's just fat as hell. I'm surprised. <laughs> I am surprised that he could fit through, like, any, like, any of the doors. Like, going through sideways, dude. <laughs> Scotty did gain a lot of weight uh, from the last time you saw him. It's true. I hate oh, the scene where Scotty hits his head against the ship so much. <laughs> I loathe it. I'm like fuck this shit. Like this is this what Star Trek has become? Scotty well, hitting his hitting his head on the ship. Well, just, just to put in the context, Star Trek 
five came out June 9th, 1989 in the United States. And that was this month. Uh, how many oh years God. ago? How many years ago was 1989? 23 years ago. 23 years ago. I mean, to, be, to be fair, this episode will be airing on the 1st of July here. But it has to be three years ago. dude. It has to be 33. Wait, hold on. Hey, Siri, how long ago was 1989? It was 32 years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes more sense because I was very young when I went. I was going to say I wasn't like in my 20s when I saw this movie. So, yeah, that makes sense. But I remember that same year, maybe even that same month, uh, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade came out. So it was a big time for movies. And Star Trek V was a letdown compared to Star Trek IV. I agree with that. Like when I... I did. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like when I was a kid, but it had some cool things. Like it did bring in some really neat things. Like, you know, um, I think that shuttle landing in the docking bay, crash landing in the docking bay, is a very exciting scene. I think the whole, like you said, uh, Cybok is a very compelling character and like a very interesting. Like that was like the first time we'd seen a Vulcan act the way that Cybok does, rejecting logic and like mm-hmm. you know even acting more human, I think, than... As, as obvious as, as it is, like, in the way it's directed in the beginning, I think it's very well done, where, like, they reveal that he's a... So they reveal that he's a Vulcan, and you can clearly see that, like, the actor's showing his ear to the camera, but they're, they're making it very obvious that he's a Vulcan, and then he goes into, his, like, his hysteric laughing there. He's, like, laughing. And so it is kind of, like, shocking. You're like, oh, he's a Vulcan, but he's laughing. Because at this point, they haven't yet exposed who he is. They haven't given you, like, the like the background on who the character is, how he's rejected logic, that kind of stuff. So it is kind of like intriguing the, how they own the movie, I find. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, I think that the movie is very, you know, I think uh, a lot of people criticize William Shatner's directing and say that the movie's like, you know, should be at the bottom of the list, but I don't I don't think so. I think it's a middle of the road. I think it's a very middle of the road. Like oh, it's movie. on the bottom I, of my list. I'm going to be honest. I do not agree with your assessment, though. <laughs> it is at the bottom. <laughs> that being said, like it's so it's bottom of the list, but as we were saying, I think it's very charming and I enjoy it. And I think it's very endearing as like so there's like two sides of it. There's one side that is all about the friendship and like the camaraderie between our three characters, and I think it's wonderful. And then everything that concerns Cyborg, like I think I honestly think Cyborg is a very, very, very interesting character. I think Cyborg is a great addition to like the Star Trek universe. And I think that him and the actor carry this movie throughout. Like just the Yeah, especially the when presence, I found out the performance. Yeah. It's so good. And especially when you find out Sean Connery was uh up for the role of Cyborg oh, originally. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but uh someone told me that Shakari is a play on Sean Connery oh, okay. to like kind of like do that, you know, but but yeah, Lawrence Luckinbill is the name of the actor, and he is superb as Cybok. I agree with that. But you know, aside from that, I think the core thing about this for me was, you know, Star Trek, Star Trek two, three, they're really intense. Star Trek four is lighthearted, um, <clears throat> and then Star Trek five kind of gets us back into. It's not quite intense, but it's also like you know, it's like a nice balance of I think action. And like you know, seriousness, but with lightheartedness thrown in there. There's a lot of humor in it and stuff like that. And you know, I think the the jokes really work well. The banter between the the main the main characters, you know, Spock. Sorry, the banter between Spock, Scotty, and and McCoy works really well for me. I loved 
like the whole family aspect of it and like the whole you know i thought you said men like us don't have families and captain kirk saying i was wrong straight up saying like i was wrong at the end you know and those are just like nice little Ch arts Chatner does some very good acting in this film i i, I think that he he has some solid acting and yeah I agree. Has a solid speech too like uh kirk like i i think the pacing of the movie kind of like slows down at some point it uh and around the time where like cyborg is showing them their past or taking away their pain but i think that like uh kirk has this kind of breakdown where he's like i need my pain you know it's like don't take away my pain my pain is who i am you know and, and like it was very thing, yeah intense and i love it i love that scene it was also very influential to me personally because i think i i'm not gonna you know pain is relative right like everyone suffers differently but i remember as a young kid being like yeah like hold on to your use the pain to like succeed like use your angst That's the star wars to, like, you. like no well, just like you you know like use the angst or like your you know your pain the thing your struggle and use it to like help you and like make you stronger and stuff like that and i always thought that was a good message because it's true like you have to kind of earn a way you have to kind of work at it you know what i mean like someone coming along and like waving a magic hand or wait, you know, like using psychic powers to take away your struggles and your pains. It works in a, in a, in like an immediate sense, like the way medication might or alcohol or whatever, but it can't be permanent. Like eventually that'll come and catch up with you. And that's where Cybok was really a charlatan. You know what I mean? Like he was offering like not a permanent thing. He was saying like, you know, release your pain and all this stuff, but it was like, you're not really releasing it. You're just kind of, you're just kind of open about it, which is a good thing too, is to like, let it out. Like I agree about that, but it doesn't really go away. And then he had, you know, Cybox is a very interesting character. I don't know. We can talk more about that, but I do you want to point, I do want to point out something uh, in the beginning, you were talking about Braxton, the free climbing El Capitan, uh, Alex Hunold, a human alive today, it took uh, Star Trek came out in 1989 and they showed a, a person free climbing Mount El Capitan. And Spock even says the record of free climbing El Capitan is no, in no danger of being broken. And at that time, no one had free climbed El Capitan. No human had done it. But now as of like last year, or the year before this young man, Alex Hunold, has actually free climbed Mount El Capitan. So I thought that was really cool because in my head now, it's like, oh, the record belongs to him. And it still does, like in Star Trek. But Star Trek had predicted that someone, it's an easy prediction to make, but Star Trek had predicted and put on screen that someone would free climb um, um, El Capitan. And I always thought that was pretty cool. And then personally, I like the Scotty and Uhura uh, relationship more than than uh, Spock and Uhura personally. I think the Scotty Uhura thing works a lot better than the Spock and Uhura thing personally. I mean, at least are, are you so at least in like the uh, in the newer movies, they're like at least they're like younger and hot. They're not like <laughs> get it. Dang, like, Jackson. I, <laughs> dude, I don't know, dude. Like, that just hit me out of nowhere. I was like, oh, dude, like, where did that uh, relationship come it's from? It's because like, it I, comes out of nowhere, right? It's because, yeah. it, it's like, there's, there's no, there's nothing. It just, it just appears. Mm -hmm. Like, Scotty's always been completely in love with the ship, right? That's what he mm -hmm. wants. Sometimes well, he's had, he's had interest in like, women. Last day, you know, some, now and then. 
but that's not you know and then uhura uhura's never really looked or talked to, to scotty in that manner at all whereas like she would she would do like i guess the other woman on the crew they would kind of tease spock but like no one's ever gone down to engineering and, and flirted with Scotty. So it was kind of weird just all of a sudden, you know. I like it because, you know, these are older people and they're showing an older romance. And I think it's really cool. And it's like a workplace romance, too. And I like that about it as well. And the other it thing I like. Cooling. It didn't last too long. I, th I don't <laughs> think it carries on into Star Trek 6. It does not. It's true. They the saw other how thing bad I... it was. <laughs> Dang. It's like no oh these actors have zero romantic chemistry <laughs> this does not work so uhura was like i can't be with a man that doesn't know like the layout of his ship like i can't be with a man that hits his head on the ship i can't I just can't <laughs> you know this movie actually stuck with me uh more than uh more than i thought so uh this afternoon i was uh, i was riding home and i was thinking that i need to tell uh, my little brother. Oh, Braxton completely froze. You'll have to edit. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, am I the one? Is it my internet that's lagging on my end or what is it? Oh, he's like completely frozen. Braxton, you're gone. You're gone like the if nebula. the audience could see, audience, you can't see because it's not video for you, but we are looking at Braxton looking very contemplating. Oh, and yeah. he was about to say something really juicy too. Is, is, this, is, this, the, is this the David position? Oh yeah, no, no, it's the uh, the thinker. Is it the thinker? It? Yes, it is the thinker. The sitting, you know, like when you. And it, like wor sitting. it works too because he's got he's got like the body for it, right? Yeah, Raxon does have a good body. It's true, good physique. Oh, he's gone. We lost. He's gone now he's gone completely. He'll have to restart so we'll, his entire. We'll we'll have to ask him about what he was going to tell his brother when he gets back. Um, and then with the magic of editing, you might not even know he was gone. Who knows? Who knows, <laughs> audience? What if what is gonna be left what Toddy's gonna leave behind and what he's gonna what he's gonna edit out? Well, I can say something that's kind of fun while we wait for them to come back. I saw the rope, like the visual effects, I think it's the cord or the rope of when like Kirk was falling off his rock face there, off his cliff. Oh, you, you did? Can, you yeah, could see you, it? I could actually see it like uh yeah. Oh, I, I've seen that movie like 30 times and I've never noticed it. So I got to go back and see now. Mm. You guys are way better at catching these little mm. movie magic things than I well, am. Well, you know the, the famous one where they're going up the dicks and they go like past dick 54 or whatever it is. And it's like 70 something. Again, and... Yeah, it's like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> what the heck is this? This ship only has like 20 something decks, I think, right? Yeah, but they go past the same one like twice or, or whatever oh uh, yay braxton's back whoa dude so yeah what happened my internet, internet totally uh crapped out on me um oh, wow like you uh sound so now just... crisper now you sound like you look uh, like hd and you sound crisp oh really okay so well i'm uh using uh my phone so i'm on uh so i'm on lte now Ooh. and uh my pixel has a uh, has a better camera than um than uh <clears throat> the my galaxy tab i guess um yeah, right on. so you were gonna where we left off is you were like uh this movie lingered with you and you wanted to tell your brother something and then that's when the internet decided to cut off so yeah. mm -hmm. suspense is killing us yeah you know i think it's because um you know so my parents are like i come from a, from a military family my parents are very reserved um you know we don't uh talk about our issues and stuff you know and so uh, me and my brothers are uh, are the same way, and we are people who have secrets, you know. 
And so, you know, when he was like, oh, like, I sense your pain, like, share it with me. And it just made me think over the last, like, 24 hours, the thing that I don't share uh, with uh, people, like, you know, um, like I was saying, like something that my mother had told me that I hadn't shared with my uh, with my little brothers. Like, it's not like some like huge, like earth shattering thing. It's just like an interesting thing. But I have not shared it with my brothers just because, you know, I'm the person that my parents uh, raised me to be. And my parents are people who hold a lot back. And uh, and so do I, you know, and just like, you know, some things are difficult to say. And just imagine if like, you know, you could like you uh you were approached by this man. He was like, oh, I sense your pain. Like, share it with me. And you, like, don't even have to say it. He just, like, knows your thought. He knows what that pain is. And he can, like, take that from you. I just thought that yeah, was so powerful. It's true. It's true. It is very... It, it, he's one of the most original Star Trek antagonists, too. Like, he's very different. You know, like, he's not, he's not like, your typical, you know mustache twirling type of villain that only has one dimension. He has a lot of dimensions and you can actually feel like what you said, like sympathy for his cause. You kind of want him to find Shakari. And when he discovers that it's not what it was supposed to be, that his God turns out to be just another alien that's trapped on a prison. Another world, con man, a, a higher level, of con <laughs> a higher man, level right? of con man. Exactly. Um, the, yeah actually that's a good point uh it's it's heartbreaking because you're like oh man you're really disappointed for him and then you realize he's like wow i went all the way for you and i was wrong and then he sacrifices himself to save that's the what sells it right yeah that's what makes him different because like you can have antagonists that are like him and kind of nuanced but in the end like the antagonist is kind of still driven mad, whereas Cyborg kind of, I, I suppose, either he comes back. He to actually his comes to his senses. It's the or, opposite. Or he, right? or he yeah. never really lost his senses in the first place. He, he's like, no, you know what? Like, as much as this is important to me, like my, my quest for Shakari, I want to find uh, God, whatever it is. Like at the end, um, you're hurting my friends, and you're not you're not being, uh, you know, the the person or the individual. That I, I built up you to that I built you up to be like you're supposed to be better than that, and so yeah he sacrifices himself and, and fights off the 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 what is he God what what is he just the alien the presence but yeah I, I think he's really exactly. I think he's really interesting in that in that sense and I would like it for new Star Trek films to try and deliver like that kind of antagonist an antagonist that isn't just a villain trying to like steal like a resource from someone or that isn't trying to like get revenge or something like that. You know, I was just thinking like, <clears throat> you see how charismatic a uh, is, you know, I was thinking that maybe he, uh, you know, like did that to uh, Captain Angel. And that's why like Captain Angel, like is so dedicated to him that like, you know, he approached and he was like, Oh, like, I sent your pain, like share it with me. Oh yeah, I don't like, know. I don't know that he's. Oh, he's he might not have there yet. Yeah. He's not there yet in his uh, in his uh, travels, I guess, in his trajectory. Dude, you know, yeah. like the people who like, you know, are like peddling this. These evangelists who are like peddling this stuff in their sixties and seventies. You know, they were still believing it in their twenties. It was just like 
evolving and stuff. Mm. I was watching uh, the Tammy Faye uh, Baker uh, movie, and you know, like she came up that way. You know, like she was like a real religious, like sixteen-year-old. That that's was a really, really good, good movie. She was wearing makeup, and people would call her a harlot. You know, that's an interesting point. And he is in prison for rejecting logic. He's a logic. He's in that rehab facility that Tapring runs. So he might be, we might see some of that. I don't know that, I don't know. I, it's going to be really interesting to see more mm -hmm. of him. And again, with, with Jesse James Keitel's uh, character, uh, Captain Angel, because I wonder how much Captain Angel influenced Cybok and how much Cybok influenced Captain Angel. And then my question for you guys is, what happened to Captain Angel? He must have lost her at some point. She's a pirate. I feel like pirates uh, many times don't live long lives. Like people who That's true. run around doing heists and stealing, you know, that is just, uh, you know, you're you're not going to live a long life doing that. Like a prom. She's, uh, not, she's not going to be in her 70s. There's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's an inconsistency in, I think, I think it's the movie, because in the beginning they say, they talk about how he was banished. Or maybe it's not an inconsistency, but they, they say that he's banished from Vulcan. For rejecting mm -hmm. the ways and for being, but the, but um, uh, Spock also mentions that he left Vulcan in search of Shakari. So, like, did he leave and then he was banished while he was gone? Because when someone says banished, I imagine someone like forcefully throwing him off, right? Like, I imagine someone getting thrown out a window. But like, maybe he left and then they they like put the ban on after they said you can no longer come back. Are you looking hmm. it up? What's going on? I was actually <laughs> trying to figure out the timeline of events here. No, but I was like, it was it was a bit bizarre how they how they how they said that like he first at first he was banished, and then they talk about his quest for Shakari. So I don't know if the quest uh, came in like before his banishment or if it came after. Perhaps it was like once he lost once he was banished from his home, and once like no one wanted to listen to his teachings, he was perhaps lost for a while. And then he found his purpose, like in a dream afterward, and then that's why he went uh, on his on his big old quest there. But I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to come into play in Strange New Worlds. I think they're going to show us how he. I think that that's going to be the thing. Is that like my impression is that whatever it's like what Braxton said, he might he he's probably been doing this for a long time, because, you know, again, he says, this is your second chance to join me to Spock. So it means he's been doing it for a long time. And so, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a big story. I think they're going to use Cybok on Strange New Worlds to tell a bigger story, or that at least there's the potential to, about logic and punishing people who don't study. You know, like, I think there's going to be some turmoil we might even go to Vulcan. they could use it to finally better explore the logic extremists that we hear uh about like sometimes in enterprise and sometimes in discovery um and they come back now and then like we talk about these logic extremists yeah and they could use that as like he i guess like um cyborg and his followers represent the inverse of like the logic extremists and so they could kind of like parallel those two things uh in the show if they do that, that could be interesting. Yeah, actually, be like, yeah, because they're the opposite, right? Because they're like rejecting logic. So yeah, that is interesting. Like it, it is an interesting idea. It'd be neat if like he's controversial because rejecting logic to a Vulcan can be physically damaging as well as mentally. Yeah, 
like it'd be neat to see that like embracing emotions actually hurts Vulcans because I think they established. Oh my that... god, she kills her. He kills her. Sorry, Captain uh, Angel. Why? Why like, would he kill her? Be because he, in, in his quest to like kind of like not embrace the logic and embrace his emotions, he forgets that how unstable and extreme the emotions of Vulcans can become. Hmm. And uh, and at one point, like he kills her because no, because that would break. Well, she him. already he would he would, would rebecome super logical, I guess. After doing yeah, and also she already says like my husband rejected Kolinar. You know, he's already well into. I'm saying his methods might be different at this point, and it doesn't work on every Vulcan. And it might be interesting hmm. to see. And it would also be interesting if the inspiration for Cybok, who's a pure Vulcan, not only that, he's a prince, mind you. He was he was born to a Vulcan princess. I didn't know Vulcans had princesses, but apparently they do. And maybe the symbolic was, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But regardless, he's he's like he's like a noble highborn, if you will. Uh <laughs> you're making fun of my hands. No, no, <laughs> he's, no, no. I'm saying he's some high standing citizen, right? He's like a yeah, he's and like, it, he's like be, a Vulcan blue blood. It'd be neat if Spock being half human is what inspired Cybok, perhaps, to reject logic, whereas Spock instead chooses to embrace it, which is interesting. God, Sarek and his kids, right? They're all rebels. Sarek's kids are like, <laughs> they're so disruptive. So as I was, as I was mentioning to you, Sohel, uh, earlier today, um, the death of Cybok and uh, Spock's, like, dealing of it um i think resonated even more of like for me watching this after discovery because now uh we know that spock has also lost michael burnham um and like he knows she's alive or at least like i guess he he hopes that she made it into the future and that she's she's carrying on and living on but technically he lost his sister um, and he can like never really speak of her ever again. So that's that's a pain that he can't speak of, the fact that he lost like his his sister. And then in this movie, he's losing his brother. Like his cyborg dies, and so I don't know. Like there's the that scene where they film him, and he's kind of like reflecting. And I guess he's he is emotionally distraught as as much as like Spock can be. Um, and I couldn't help but read, I couldn't help but read into it that he was also thinking about Michael in that scene and i think that as the show progresses like as strange new worlds progresses uh ju just as we were saying before and just like discovery like further informs this movie i think it'll it'll just help this movie grow and grow emotionally speaking yeah the i agree that um star trek discovery kind of enhances star trek 5 with with michael burnham uh like it's it's definitely it's definitely something that I think about when I watch Star Trek Five now. Is I like think, oh, Spock, like what you said, Spock must be thinking of Michael and remembering the past in this moment. And that's like now those moments where Leonard Nimoy decides to be like, you know, thoughtful or contemplative. Like now they have a different like you know way that you can look at them. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and now, yeah, like what you said, Strange New Worlds is going to make Cybok a thing uh, that that's you know it's it's going to make it make Cybok a little more complex and a little more interesting, which I think is great. Yeah, I'm very excited to to, to see where they go with Cybok. So uh, I'm re I'm reading the room as like they carry on with Cybok here, 
but I'm excited to see what they do with that. I'm because I think it's one of I think it's really one of the great characters that came out of these Toss era movies. Oh, you call it Toss? Yeah, sometimes you can't even bother be bothered to say T O S. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> toss, 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 toss. Hello. I have no problem. Say, I have no problem with playing on Tenig, Ting, or Ting, Ting, Ting. You do say Voy. I've heard you say Voy. I say Voy sometimes. I say Toss, Test, and Voy sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> granted. <laughs> Um, no, I uh, I think the Klingons were fine in this movie. Uh, I I do feel. I like just found out that in 1989 they were still doing brownface on actors because I didn't know the main Klingon, the the captain, is a like very white actor, and they they put makeup on him. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> I just found that out today. Did you guys know that? I didn't. Know I mean, that. didn't the I mean, didn't the Klingons do the same thing? And um. Didn't they TNG? make up the Klingons the same way in TNG? I thought by TNG they were casting dark-skinned actors. I'm trying to think of who, what Klingons in TNG, does and even by Star Trek, does that qualify as, as like blackface and brownface? Yeah, yeah. Because it's an alien. Oh. No, I'm just asking. I don't. I don't. Well, <laughs> so Star Trek, it does only because of this. Star Trek you used could, to make everyone not. Star Trek used to have this bad. Right. Star Trek used to have this bad habit of just mono making mono aliens. Like everyone looks the freaking same, right? Mm. In Star Trek, I know it's, I know it's not, I know it's. They were doing it out of laziness because in Star Trek Six, you have all different shades of Klingon in in their skin tones, and I think even in in Star Trek Five, the lady was light lighter skinned than maybe. So I think the whole making someone they should have just cast a black actor, in my opinion, or a, a brown or make actor. the Klingon white, I guess, or make the Klingon white. If exactly. You, if you like, cast the yeah. white guy, then just but if you want, if you need to have, uh, if you need to have a, a skin tone, if it's important to the story for whatever reason, cast <laughs> cast uh, someone with that skin tone is is generally the the rule today. I guess 1989 is the end of like where you can not forgive it, but you can be like, well, you know, like it was 1989, but. Thank goodness no one does that anymore, uh, except for Robert Downey Jr. who did it, <laughs> and that was the well, only last time. When, I ever when saw you it. do, um, when you do uh, full prosthetic makeup like uh, Klingons, like they did in Discovery, it's then also a bit different though, because it's like a full what is it, silicone or whatever it is, cover up. Well, and to Discovery's credit, time. and to Discovery's credit, I mean they made tones that don't exist in humans like there's klingons that look bluish Lorella's grayish right grayish yeah and so yeah that makes sense but again discovery did a good thing with yeah I, we always talk end up talking about klingons it's so funny but i <laughs> everything like, leads to discovery klingons the freaking klingons and discovery as much as i didn't like the uh crustacean design like the more <laughs> the more like aquatic design to the Klingons. I do give them a lot of credit for expanding the way Klingons like the diversity of Klingons and their skin tones and all that stuff. I thought that was great. I agree with you uh, with you on that. I think that um, you know making the Klingons up um, like they were um, like before they not like in the 90s shows and like previously I thought that would be problematic in today's uh, social climate and so 
that's probably one of the reasons why they decided to make them look so alien with all the uh, with all the prosthetics. Um, but I enjoyed, you know, the long head stuff was was weird. All they all the discovery Klingons needed for me was hair. Like, yeah, and they did it know, in season two, and they look great. Actually, it's true. It's a good point. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I think uh, I'm totally, I'm totally cool uh, with uh, with them. You know, and I thought that Takuma looked so cool. Like he yeah, was like, so really dark cool. and like yeah, Takuma looked so cool, dude. I agree. I will say one thing: Takuma and like Chris Obi's Takuma is like one of the most I think charismatic Klingons that has been, especially for like a Klingon that's like barely on screen. For only a couple episodes, right? Like he he, he doesn't last long. But uh, well, yeah, Captain own... Claw, who's the Klingon here, I always thought his forehead was cool. Like he has a very different forehead ridge from other Klingons. It's very tight and like yeah, he, he looks the, li- the little lumps, the little lumps and stuff like that. He looks a lot like Tang, the the Christopher Plummer's mm-hmm. character to me. But also, I loved his hair. Speaking of hair, he had like big hair. Mm-hmm. His chest, his chest showed like cons. Like he didn't wear like an undergarment; he just showed his chest. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a very sexy Klingon. I remember, being, <laughs> I remember thinking, "Whoa, so, these and her too." The the female Klingon's very sexy as well. <laughs> these, well, these Klingon women you know, always have their breasts out. Yeah, it's true. They just have <laughs> look at Bator and um and Lursa. It's true. Bator and Lursa, dude. So here's the thing, dude. What? Klingons apologize when Spock was like, "Oh, don't hug me, not in front of the Klingons, dude." Those Klingons are patsies. That those Klingons were just sitting here apologizing and kissing Federation ass. Those are no Klingons that we know, or those are not the Klingons that I know. I've never been introduced to those Klingons. It is true they were very uh, well. It's because that general, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that might be might be well. Uh, so here's what in well, here's what's interesting and kind of ironic. I feel like the three consults, the three representatives of the three species, right, or the three organizations. You have like a Romulan, you got the you know the Romulan lady, you got the Klingon dude, and then you got the Federation guy. I feel like they misrepresent their their uh, respective like communities so much. Like the Federation guy, he's like. I don't know, is he like drunk and like he's just a, a dude bro and he's got like I don't know, he he's not he's not sitting up straight, he's not speaking formally, he doesn't represent His name is Saint John Talbert, but they call him Sinjin, which is really weird. Uh and I think I <laughs> he think that represent the... Starfleet's finest, you know, he's not I think like... what you missed is that like they aren't supposed to be they're all supposed to be a little bit washed up. And the Romulan is the only one. She's like brand new to the assignment. So I, I guess like her predecessor retired or something like that. So she's like ready to go. And like she's so excited. And then she walks in and she has this like tired Klingon and a tired Terran. And they're like, welcome to Nimbus 3. It's actually a shithole. It's not like anything like you think it is. It ain't they, no galactic peace. It ain't it. no galactic peace. They're, there's nothing. It's just like a. It's a gesture. It's like, and I like that actually. I like this is the first time in Star Trek, I think we see this kind of like idea that maybe. I don't want to say it's the first time, they but break it's an the instance. mold a bit. I see what you yes. mean. Yes, 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 okay. exactly. And uh, and so I like that. I like that there was a, you know, a, a bitter kind of sarcastic or cynical is the better word. I think I like the cynical and like even the 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 clinging batter he's just like totally like 
all he wants is food and sex. Like that's that's <laughs> the only thing he's interested in. And he he gives no Fs. And I like that at the end where Spock is like, no, god damn it, you will order the other Klingon to do this. And so it wakes him up a little bit. I like that. That was like a really good moment. Uh, to give a, like a side character a little bit of an arc. I thought that was pretty cool. The Romulan character, she was just like a 90s girl. <laughs> like her outfit was very 90s, right? Like it was, it didn't like, and she kind of surprised me. She was different from how I imagined Romulans. Like I feel like Picard has done a really good job of like shaping what a Romulan is. Before this, we were, they were either very like, you know, Shakespearean or they were like, where'd they come up with this valley girl romulan like yeah she's very valley girl to me like she wasn't like <laughs> what i expected at all so i liked her again i like that what was saying like they broke the mold a little bit like they shook it up you know so it, it was neat did they succeed maybe not but they tried which is which i appreciate well most of that feels like a star wars movie to me like most of what happens on numbers three um what about it seems very uh, star wars to you uh i think like the the general like uh like ambiance of the place feels mm. kind of like backward kind of like um sand planet that we that we would have on star wars um and then this is a new thing that that hit me uh because this is the first time i've watched this movie after seeing the halo show um the attack on paradise city for some reason uh, gave me like flashes of the uh, initial attack of that little city in the Halo show in like the Halo pilot, where uh, where the Covenant oh. attack that that little yeah. city. Yeah, in the middle of the, the it's like a walled-in fortress city. Yeah. yeah, I got I got like little flashes of that. It reminded me of that for some reason. That's really legit. I could see that um, actually, but I mean, it is pretty. Uh, pretty good in terms of weapons is, is i think the weapons they have also because like they have all of these makeshift weapons that they explain in the movie but yeah. they have all of these makeshift weapons which are like they kind of look like homemade blasters instead Ooh. of being the traditional kind of like um f factory made phases that we have in like starfleet or what have you so i, I that all contributes to like I, I think a general more like star warsy feel than like than a star trek one and then of course you have like a a fan dance for some reason. Um, I find it a little cringe that everyone like kind of crawls up the dunes there, and then that's how they get captured. I'm just like, oh no! Uh, there, there, I don't there's know about that. that's the very first thirst trap ever, and, <laughs> and it like it, it worked. It it's worked. super effective. We've seen on we've seen on the internet time and time again how much thirst. There is out there, Tadi. I can't believe you don't is this, buy is this, that scene. Is this, is this a catfish? No, no. Uber is not a catfish. Who is a catch? She's okay. the she's the a, big fish. Maybe. A catfish like, would be like that. It's like, not a hula. Like it's like it's like a, a catfish would be a hologram, maybe. No, a catfish would be like you go up thinking it's going to be Uhura, and then it's Spock. No, legit. That's what a catfish scenario okay. would be. Is like yeah. Spock okay. is yeah, pretending. Mentally... Doesn't, yeah, doesn't, they, a doesn't a hologram count? Like, you think it's a real Uhura? Not in Star hologram Trek, because holograms no. are just as good as people. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm I mean, sorry, Quark. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Minuet is a great example of a hologram that comes across as very uh, uh, realistic. Do you, no, think but... Riker, do you think Riker would have dragged himself across the dunes? 
with the other dudes? Riker would have been the one doing the fan dance. Oh, I see. If this I was see. The TNG. Fair enough. If this was a TNG thing, no, who would? If this was TNG, would it be Troy or would it be Crusher who would do the fan dance, or would it be Riker? I think it would be Riker. I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick to my guns on the Riker. It would be Riker. He'd wear like skimpy shorts. No, I think I think the plan would be to have Troy do it, but then like for comedic purposes, it would go wrong, and they would force the dancing doctor to do it. <laughs> or they both do it. They, they <laughs> both do it. It's true. <laughs> but this was pretty racy for Star Trek because uh, you basically you kind of see up her leg a little high, and you can see like contours of Nichelle Nichols' beautiful supple butt. Uh, so I thought that was pretty. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, "We're seeing way too much." Like, this is why Scotty <laughs> didn't stay with her. He was like, "You can't be dancing." No, uh, no Scotty loves it. It's like that. No, Scotty loves it. He's like, "Yeah, but he's do, like, you, no, could you, you do a fan dance for me, Lassie? Could you do? A fan... Can we do that again?" No, in my... He's like, "I cannot have you dancing for others. You only can dance for me." No, Scotty's not like that. Not old Scotty. Young Scotty was definitely like that. Oh, okay. Not, not old old Scotty. Scotty's more open. Yeah, he's like more, he's grown, you know, he's like a, a little bit different. <laughs> Speaking of Scotty and Uhura, uh, that's the other kudos that I have to give to Star Trek V is um, it just feels like we spend more time with Uhura and Scotty and Chekhov even. Sulu, I think, is the only one who's kind of sidelined, but that's okay because he gets a lot of moments like in Star Trek six, especially, but in this movie, I feel like, you know, for, you know, for all its failings, it really did a good job of bringing in some other characters and giving them more to do. Like Uhura does have that fan dance, but then she has all these other parts, you know, uh, you know, with the communications and like at the beginning when she's going to go get everybody, you know, when she has to go down to the planet to earth and get everybody and, um, Chekhov gets to be Captain Chekhov. Like, that was a really great moment for him. And, you know, like, that's something I, I think, like, up until now, Chekhov's been kind of just a background character. No no offense, you know, but, like, he hasn't had very great moments in the films, you know, other than his hand getting burnt or, like, a creature going into it. Just him screaming, basically, you know, and and stuff like that. So I think this was nice to give these other characters some some good moments and they're memorable moments. I like, I, you know, the fan dance is just one of them, but we have Scotty breaking them out of prison. Uh, you know, I know not everyone likes that scene, but it is funny that he hits his head on the thing and he gets knocked out, you know, things like that. Um, I guess Sulu and Chekhov also have that group moment. Where they're a buddy, you know, they're like buddies and they're like trying to cover for each other. And they're like doing the, you know, in the beginning and they're doing like the wind sounds or whatever. And then, uh uhura is like uh i don't know this the the sensors say it's clear skies and they're like oh he's like look sulu the clouds went away magically you know like it, it's just like so so i have to give star trek 5 another kudos uh because you do get a little bit it feels a little more balanced i haven't done the math to see how much screen time they've gotten in other movies but it just feels like they got more to do in this movie fair enough <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That whole uh, that whole scene where he's like blowing in the into the communicator, that's a bit like uh, is it campy? What is it? Is it? Yeah, a, I would say that's a good uh, example of camp. But but it it has its charm. It's uh it's nice. It's fun because it feels like 
it feels like they get along and they're really friends and family at this point. You know what I mean? It's it's more than just a crew, and that really comes across uh, when watching the scenes. Yeah, I agree with that. And then in Star Trek Six, they all hate each other, and they are like, "Why are we back <laughs> together?" No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they don't actually hate each other, but it's true. I did. I did think this movie was marketed as what was going to be the last adventure, which they kept, I feel like they kept doing that. They've been doing that since like Star Trek Two. Like every Star Trek, like this is the last Star Trek or whatever, right? But this movie was, I remember, marketed as perhaps the 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 their final journey. And I will get. I will say, I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> like to me, to me, this feels like it would have felt like like they they needed more. And they did. Star Trek Six, the original crew of the the original series cast and crew, I think, are the only the only ones far that gotten a proper send off. I think we're about to get it. In we're Star going Trek to get Picard. the TNG. We're going to get. Yeah, the we're TNG. gonna. I think we're gonna get that for the TNG crew. But up until now, no other crew has gotten to say goodbye quite like the original series crew. Has Do you think that the final episode of uh, Picard season three? will have all of the signatures it i don't want to say it better because terry metals can do whatever he wants but i have a feeling we'll get the signatures we can uh, we can like we can tweet at him we can tell we, him it better i don't want to he blocks liberally i don't want to i don't want him to block him. <laughs> he's a liberal blocker so a, I don't <laughs> if you look at him the wrong way he might block you he might listen to this and then block me just from oh, this no. so uh, yeah, Brent Spiner is the liberal blocker too i think or i've no. never blocked so far knock on wood no star trek uh uh producers directors writers or um i've never annoyed anyone in star I, trek i've i've i always want to like i always want to tease shatner and like say something oh he'll block like, you no he'll block but you I, I, always, I always want to like quote <laughs> you as like saying something no don't you but dare! I'm like, tag. I'm not gonna do that because he's gonna block us both immediately, and it'll be yeah. the end. Don't you dare tag me in anything with Shatner, because uh, if you do, I will. And if he blocks me, I'll hate you forever. You'll have to really make up for. Like, you'll have to like figure it out. <laughs> have to find a way to meet him and unblock. I him. drew. I drew a. Uh, now we're off topic uh, completely here. Well, so we're gonna end how... it anyway. <laughs> okay, but I drew a picture of William Shatner. And he liked it, and a lot of people just by him liking it, a shit ton of people liked it. He didn't even oh, tweet wow. it, or he didn't even retweet it, or anything. But like, people just see him his likes, like, so. yeah, those those magic the Shatner boost. So you know, Shatner. I'd rather get the boost, not the boot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last thing I want to say on the Star Trek Five subject is, I a hundred percent think Star Trek Five should get a director's cut if William Shatner is interested in doing oh, it. I think it would be so cool to, especially with the way how cheap technology has become, they could go back and reshoot some of the visuals and really enhance the film to the stand, at least to bring it up to the standard that the other films are at, because there is a noticeable difference mm. in the standard of visuals uh in star trek of of the of the f star trek films with the original series cast star trek 5 looks the most tv of of those films you know i think that william shatner's shame needs to remain for how poorly uh, he directed this film and how poorly it was uh produced oh yeah you know, we're gonna, we're gonna he get should, the walk, braxton he shouldn't get a second chance 
I think he everyone should. Everyone gets everyone, chance, everyone right? should get a second chance, Braxton. Well, not, in every, not in every context, but perhaps yeah. in directing a film. In directing a, a film. No, I just think if he if it's in his heart, if he has feelings about it, <clears> if he wants to do it, I think it'd be great. Uh, I think it'd be a neat thing to to elevate that film because they had really ambitious ideas for the film. There's a whole scene with like rock aliens that never got made because they couldn't they couldn't do it like when they went to shakari i think there were supposed to be like aliens that were made of rocks i missed uh, out on rock yeah. aliens God. rock mm -hmm. aliens yeah exactly. you're a rock alien yeah Rex <laughs> is like oh yeah oh, he's he's so convinced you can see it you can see braxton is the worst person you'd want to pitch your new show to right but he's the yeah, best because you'd have to really think of that show uh there's rock aliens uh-huh uh-huh rock okay, aliens. okay rock aliens. right okay. i think we can see the next person now oh i don't have a meeting but this one's over thanks bye yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, like, i don't have another evening meeting but this one's finished i, <laughs> I think, like, I, think I don't have another back podcast. next 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 pitch season okay <laughs> But but no, I'm I'm in earnest. I think it needs to be um, given a director's cut, and it's sad because we don't have any of the other directors alive from the original series movies. So I think it would be nice if Shatner got a chance to do that because uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away. He directed Star Trek three and four. Oh no, we do have Nicholas Mayer, but he already got a director's cut, and so did Robert Wise. So mm. yeah. What are your final thoughts, Braxton, on the film? So. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I don't think this is a good film, but I was uh, entertained. I, uh, you know, I feel uh, enriched by having met Cyborg. You know, like when I think of this movie, like you know, I always remember. You know, I sent your paint, share it with me. So, um, you know, I am enriched by that. Uh, I am also enriched by seeing the three-breasted uh, cat woman. You know, like you saw her dancing, and then later, like she like she's lying and waiting. She attacks Kirk. You know, she makes that wretched noise. Um, <laughs> your cats, did your cat your cats react? Oh, she gets owned. She gets thrown into the the water, the, the wet pool table. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, and I was like, and I was like, why wouldn't she just like emerge out of there and keep attacking? Like, you know, they just like, like water, submerged her in a fishbowl, and then she was just like knocked out. Okay, well, whatever, you know. Um, but uh, also, when I think of this movie. I'll think of. I mean, it could just be because I was watching it in a very dark room, but I actually found it appalling how bright. <laughs> the alien imagine that was in the movie theater imagine you know, in the movie theater you're like everything's dark and then all of a sudden it's like yeah it's true it dude was like awesome. i was i was like watching it like this like i had put like a couple of like hands like a couple of i, I like spread my fingers so that like i could see Where? just like a little bit i think your I eyes just... might have been dry rex and you might have needed some eye drops mm, i don't know maybe it's just like <laughs> my older eyes now that are very sensitive to the light but i just found it appalling and when i was watching it after like 90 seconds of it i was just like you know what this is unwashable and i was thinking that maybe it's just like that's just a thing about the film it's actually unwashable um 
but I did find it enjoy. Uh, I did enjoy it, you know, and thank you for uh, showing, introducing me to, uh, to Cyborg. So I'm thankful for that. So thanks, God. I love it. Yay. Yeah, awesome. Um, what, uh, other, what other TOS movies have you seen? Only Star Trek 2? Star Trek The Motion Picture? Have you seen any of them? Um, you know, I think I've seen them on, like, USA and TNT, you know, but, like, never with the intention of sitting down to uh, actually watch a TOS movie. Because I told you that I don't appreciate a TOS, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. Like, zero. Like, not at all. Even a little bit. Does this so I wouldn't all, go does this make you want to see... No, Does this but... want to make you see any of the... you haven't seen the one with the whales? You have to have seen that one, like more intentionally. Maybe. Wow, we gotta we gotta but do a whole is, series. This is inter this is interesting because um I love it. You don't so you don't like TOS and uh th this is an interesting film in that respect because at least you're not like you do focus on like the TOS crew and like we said they, they get some screen time. But a lot of the bulk of like the character like stories are, are driven by Cyborg. Yeah, and it's about Cyborg, and it's about like Cyborg's relation to like his quest and to Spock, and so it's interesting. So you get to see a Toss movie, but it's not so much about them; it's about this new character that you're now introduced to. So I guess that that's what you get out of it, right? I just want to see and talk about all the original series movies with Braxton now. Oh, you, you want to have like, like first wanna, reaction? Oh my God. I want to get you know first what? reactions on the all movie these. offered us foreshadowing. I was just thinking about like when Ohora was coming down to the, um, uh, to the park to get them. And the doctor was like, get that damn light out of my eyes. <laughs> and then like an hour and a half later, dude, like it would just be so bright. And I was like, get that damn light out of my eyes. You're reading too much into it. <laughs> they, 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 did, they did set up and pay off the, the, the boots, right? Like, he's got the boots in the beginning, and then he uses the boots to save them in the, in the elevator shaft. Mm -hmm. So they do, they do, they do some set up and, and pay off, but I'm not sure they will. And the dialogue thing comes up, the dialogue yeah. thing pays off, and the whole family, we don't have families, and then that. There's a lot of payoffs, actually, oh, is, uh, yeah. in, the, in the film. There's so many little payoffs. You know, I am so uncomfortable with the way that uh, people are othered in uh, in TOS. It's a real turnoff uh, for me. Um, you know, I just feel like people are so othered. Now, I know that it's a different uh, time period in uh, in our history, but I really can you describe what don't. You mean by that? Like what? It, like a? Can you give an example? Of how I mean, because you know, it's like the sixties, and like they're allegories and things. Like I just feel like people are so othered that it just bothers me you know that's interesting i ever i'd love to dive into that with you because for me it feels like they're shining a light on the idea of the other and how it's really not the whole like that it's trying to it's trying to say like the idea of the other is false. Like we are all the same. I think TOS tries to say we're all one. Like, but it's interesting that you see them. I do think that they other use the example of the other to tell the story of, you know, oneness or or mm -hmm. you know, you know, 
communion is a better word i think like community and communion i don't know it's a really good that's a really good point we'd have to i think with this is so interesting i i feel like we should do a series for sure and, and dive into it it's so cool. i now wish i've had you on my quest it would have been torture for you if you didn't like if you still don't like the show so yeah well we'll not rush braxton yeah. to watching all of these movies in the same month because it'll kill yeah him we that. could do these like years <laughs> years and years and years later let him, let him breathe a bit it would suck me dry like think... that kid in um in strange new world a few weeks ago <laughs> i do think this the next movie if we do one should be star trek 4 just to get just to get your like actual focus thoughts mm. on that movie if you've only seen it you know that's here and there, I think Star Trek Four is a good. <clears throat> that's one of the most beloved. Is that the one who's like, where he's like, oh, I have and will always be your friend. That's is that that one. That's that's at the end of two, and also three. He says it a bunch of times, but I think that's two and three, <laughs> like when he's at the door at the wall or whatever, like <laughs> inside that after he saves the ship and he's all like melting and stuff like that. Right, that scene you're talking about. No, he's like in that. Um, there's like a glass between yeah, them. Star Trek Two. Star Trek Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the end of two. All right, I'm gonna cut this off because now we're, we're oh. going on tangents. We're going on yes. tangents. We gotta finish. Thank this you, thing. Sean. I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm going to say one thing about Star Trek Five. Okay. My appreciation of it has grown over the years, and it continues to grow. And that is not a comment on the quality of the film. I'm not saying the film is getting better. It's just that uh, thematically, like how it uh, talks about friendship, um, I, I feel like that, like it, it's uh, applying itself more and more to my life. And I appreciate that I, I can constantly like come back to it with friends. You know what I mean? Oh, so, I like, love that. It, I, I don't know. Like the friendship that they have in, in the film, I, know, I feel like applies Star well Trek... to like my friendship with like you guys. Star and Trek I, 5 I like is that. a great movie to put on. While you're barbecuing and having drinks and hanging out with friends, and no one's really watching it, or just it's on in the background, and every now and then you see like that and blinding light. Starts, on, you know, yeah, like, when everyone starts <laughs> to doze off, boom! It hits them with the light. The it light wakes and everyone, wakes everyone, up. everyone up, and it's time to go home. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah, it's time to go. go home, people. All right, should I end the stream, Captain? Uh, well, let 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 us say thank you to everyone for listening to us first. So thank, thank you, you everyone, for, for, for listening to us. Thank you both for being on. I love you both. There'll be links to their respective uh, Twitter accounts and channels and what have you in the description. Go check them out. They're wonderful people. Uh, Star Trek Five forever, right? Star Trek. And, uh, and actually, uh, can I promote my hashtag? Go ahead. Uh, fuck yeah, Star Trek Five. So fuck yeah, Star Trek V is the hashtag that I quote. I tweet about Star Trek Five. So you I would hope that every twatted i twote i twatted it yeah so this is so much your last episode had these had these two edgy people on giraffe and kyle sullivan and then this episode is just us talking trash and fuck yeah (laughs) so anyways no just we we can't we contrast the same way that the star trek movies contrast right is that it it's true no but that last episode is very uh it's very 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 interesting everyone go check out trek chat um but what i was gonna say is uh yeah, so check out that hashtag and add to it. Uh, if you have Star Trek Five thoughts, you can just add to that hashtag and I'll see them. Uh, so I've been doing that with every movie. The longest I've been working on is Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is, fuck yeah, Star Trek TMP. And unfortunately, that one I'm still not done 
uh, tweet. It's very slow tweeting. So yeah, go check those out. All right. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.